podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL roundtable feed. So just search EPL roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Friday, the 24th of February. Friday is here. The week is over. It's time to relax and watch your favorite football team let you down once again. Guy Drinkle is here. He'll join us after the break to preview this weekend's Premier League action. Only eight games in the Premier League, but we do also have a Carabao Cup game, the final to talk about how exciting right we'll start with the Europa League from last night PSV Eindhoven 2 Sevilla 3 Luke de Jong and Fabio Silva with the goals not enough for PSV who go out 3-2 on aggregate Sevilla march on 
Nantes nil, Juventus three. Angel Di Maria with an absolute worldie. Nicolas Palos was sent off on 17. Di Maria scored from the penalty spot. And Di Maria wrapped up his hat-trick on 78 minutes. That first goal is one of the best goals you're going to see all season. So make sure you see that. Juve head through. Mitteljand nil, Sporting four. Sebastian Cuates, who scored in the first leg, scores again. Paulinho was sent off on 38 minutes. Two from Pedro Cancalves. And an own goal from Stefan Gartenman in the second half, giving Sporting a very comfortable victory, and they head forward. I told you this game was going to be mental. Monaco 2, Leverkusen 3. It ends 5-5 on aggregate, and Leverkusen go through on penalties. Florian Wirtz scores to put Leverkusen 1-up. Wissam Benyedder equalises from the penalty spot. Palacios restores Leverkusen's lead. I mean, Adley makes it 3-1. They look like they're sailing through. A late Breel Mbolo goal sends the game to extra time. Extra time can't split them. We go to penalties. Ausmund scores. De Sassi scores. Amiri scores. Matazo misses. Tapsapa scores. Mbolo scores. Schick scores. Volum scores. And then Musa Diaby scores to send Leverkusen through. 5-3 on penalties. You have to give credit to Alonso. He was brave. He set out his team to play a certain way. And he got the result he was looking for. Union Berlin 3, Ajax 0. Very, very disappointing from Ajax. Robin Nosh put Union 1 up on 22. Josip Juranovic, formerly of Celtic, made it 2 on 44. Mohamed Kudus pulled one back for Ajax. But Danilo Doki made it 3-1. Edson Alvarez was sent off late for Ajax. Ajax go out. Union go through. Congrats to them. Roma 2, RB Salzburg 0. Bellotti and Dybala with the goals and Jose Mourinho's team are through 2-1 on aggregate to the next round. Ren 2, Shakhtar 1, 3-3 on aggregate and Shakhtar go through 5-4 on penalties. It can be scored on 52 to force extra time. Ibrahim Salah scores on 106 minutes to give Ren the lead in the tie. Looked like they were going through. A Januel Belichian own goal in the 119th minute sent the game to penalties. And the penalty shoothead was very, very dramatic. So, Desiree Du, 17 years of age, steps up, scores the first one. Nasarina equalises. Jeremy Doku misses. Sudikov makes it 2-1. Melling misses. Bondarenko makes it 3-1. It looks like Shakhtar are going through. Guri scores. Bondar misses. It's now 3-2. Tate scores. Sikhan misses. It's now 3-3. Omari scores. Konoplaya scores. It's 4-4. Ukachukwu misses. Leslie Ukachukwu, massive talent in midfield. He misses. And Kevin Kelsey scores. And Shakhtar go through on penalties. Not really missing Mikhail Mudrik all that much. And in the final game, Manchester United 2, Barcelona 1. United threw 4-3 on penalties. Lewandowski had put Barca 1 up on 18. 
Fred equalises on 47 and Anthony fidget spins his way to the winner on 73. United go through, Barca go out. Barca will be very disappointed, but it does mean they can now focus solely on winning La Liga, which is their primary aim this season. The draw has been made for the round of 16. It's Union Berlin versus Union St. Gilles, owned by Tony Bloom, who also owns Brighton. Sevilla versus Fenerbahce. Juventus versus Freiburg. Bayer Leverkusen versus Ferenc Varos. Sporting versus Arsenal, which promises to be fairly entertaining. Manchester United versus Real Betis. Roma versus Real Sociedad. And Shakhtar Donetsk versus Feyenoord. So some pretty good ties there. Those games will be played on the 9th and 16th of March. And I do think we're going to see some some really interesting games there. Um, Also going on last night, of course, the Europa Conference League. Anderlecht, 2-1 winners over Ludogorets. Forces the game to extra time. No further score there. Anderlecht go through 3-0 on penalties. Cluj versus Lazio ends 0-0. Lazio go through 1-0 on aggregate. Partizan 1, Sheriff Tiraspol 3. Sheriff overcoming the first leg deficit. And they go through 3-2 on aggregate. Dnipro 0, Larnica 0. Larnica through, 1-0 on aggregate. Ghent 1, Quarabeg 0. Ends 1-1. Goes to extra time, goes to penalties, and Ghent win 5-3. Fiorentina 3, Braga 2. Ends 7-2 on aggregate. It looked like this was going to be an unbelievable comeback. Braga went two up on 34 minutes. And it really did look like they were going to come back and potentially send this game to extra time. But they just collapsed. Fiorentina got one. And after that, it was never really a game. Fiorentina got a second and a third in the second half. And that was all she wrote. Lech Poznan 1, Bodo Glimt 0, Lech Poznan through 1-0 on aggregate, and Basel 2, Trabzonspor 0. Uh, Andy Zakiri with a goal there. He, I don't know if he still is, but at least was owned by Brighton. Uh, Basel 2 through 2-1 on aggregate. And again, the draw has been made for this competition. It's Larnica versus West Ham United. It's a fairly favourable draw for West Ham. Fiorentina versus Sivaspor, Lazio versus AZ Alkmaar, Lech Poznan versus Jurgardens, Basel versus Slovan Bratislava, Sheriff Tiraspol versus Nice, Anderlecht versus Villarreal, and Ghent versus Istanbul Besiktas. So some decent games there. I think West Ham, Lazio, and Villarreal are probably the three favourites left in the competition. I'd be surprised if the winner comes from anyone other than those three. Uh, Likewise, in the Europa League, I think it's probably fair to say that the favourites left in the competition would be Juventus, Arsenal, Manchester United. And I think you have to put Sevilla in there purely because of their history with this competition. 
I do think this is a very strong competition. I think there's really good games in this in this Europa League draw. Like Juve versus Freiburg should be good. Sevilla versus Fenerbahce will be mental in terms of the atmospheres. Sporting Arsenal will be good. United Betis will be good. And Roma Real Sociedad will be really good. Shakhtar versus Feyenoord could be mental. I think the Europa League is actually more interesting right now than the Champions League. I I could be wrong, but I, I think it is. Uh, moving closer to the home then, Newcastle have announced a new three-and-a-half-year contract with Miguel Almiron. Not to be confused with three-year extension, this is a new three-and-a-half-year contract tearing up his old deal and giving him a significant pay rise straight away. Well-deserved. He's been outstanding this season, 10 goals in the Premier League. You'd like to see a bit more in terms of creativity, but there's no doubting he's had a, a fantastic season. Uh, Southampton have decided to give Ruben Sellers their managerial position until the end of the season. Sellers is very inexperienced, but he is held in very high regard. He has been the caretaker manager for the last little while since Nathan Jones got the heave-ho. He has bounced around as an assistant. He's got a lot of experience as an assistant. He was brought to Southampton by Ralph Hassenhutl. Obviously, Hassenhutl didn't last long after that. Then he worked under Nathan Jones for a little while. And um, obviously, Nathan Jones didn't work out either. As the caretaker manager, he has been in charge twice. Once between Hassenhutl and Jones. Southampton got a draw in that game. Can't remember who it was against. Let's have a quick gander. That's not right. 7th to 10th of November. Of November. Oh, it was a League Cup game. They drew with Sheffield Wednesday and actually knocked them out on penalties. So, to be fair, unbeaten as caretaker manager. Because in this spell, he has had one game and they beat Chelsea. So, uh, he is unbeaten as a manager in two games. So, we will see how long that continues. But look... Maybe he is the right choice because it's a young team. Maybe they need a young manager. In fairness, he got his pro license at 25, which is fairly staggering. He's now 39. He's got 14 years of coaching experience under his belt. He's also got a master's degree in sports and physiology. He's never played at any level. But he's coached in Greece, Russia, Azerbaijan, Denmark, Spain, and now England. Um, He was the under-18 manager at Valencia for a little while. Maybe it works. Maybe it does work. Maybe this guy is the next Mourinho. Who knows? Maybe he's something really special. Southampton might have struck gold. It could end up as a disaster. Neither would be a surprise. Uh, Sergio Ramos has announced his retirement from international football with a heavy heart after being told he will not be picked by new boss Luis de la Fuente. 
Um, Spain's most capped player of all time, 180 appearances. He hasn't been very good for a number of years. He was never great as a centre-back anyway. Much better as a right-back. He, he could have been an all-timer as a right-back. As a centre-back, he was always too rash. But look, he's got an absolute boatload of of trophies. He, he won't care about what I'm saying about him. Um, there's no doubting he's been a great player. But as a defender, he's always been questionable. Uh, very much a hero-ball defender who, you know, like to make big fancy tackles and big highlight reel tackles. But, I mean, the career he's had is unreal. Uh, with Real Madrid, he won five La Ligas, four Champions Leagues, two Copa del Reyes, four Spanish Super Cups, three European Super Cups and four World Club Cups. He's won a a league and a... I think it's their version of the, the Charity Shield uh, with Paris Saint-Germain. It is in the Trophy of the Champions. It's their version of the Charity Shield. <clears throat> with Spain, he won a European Under-19 Championship, a European Championship, a World Cup, and then another European Championship. So you can't really, can't really do better. He has had an unbelievable career to his credit. 23 goals for the national team. 133 goals for the career is pretty impressive for a defender. It's always been something that's caused people to overrate him a bit because he scored big goals, but he scores big goals. He's a big game player. Uh, career best of 13 goals. He was taking penalties that year, which was strange. But, um, yeah, that is the end of Sergio Ramos' international career. It's a, it's a shame that they're not giving him, like, one more appearance as a big farewell because I do think he deserves that. Um, when you factor in... 180 caps, 195 total appearances for Spain at 16, 17, 19, 21 and senior levels. That's that's a damnable career. Um, We'll do the gossip and we'll bring in Guy. Arsenal have put uh, Declan Rice at the top of their wanted list for the summer as the Gunners are likely to, are, oh, sorry, unlikely to have the funds to compete for Jude Bellingham. Rice would transform Liverpool's midfield if he joined the Reds, according to Dietmar Hamann. Dietmar Hamann is a moron. He might be the dumbest ex-player currently working in the football sphere. And I say that knowing that Danny Mills, Danny Murphy, and many other idiots are out there. But he's particularly stupid. I saw him on talk, but he looked like he's been living on the streets for three years. Gabby Agbonlahor is right up there as well. Um, but he claimed, so he went through the Liverpool's midfield and the reasons each of the individuals, individuals isn't good enough, never mentioned Henderson, said he's never been a fan of Thiago and that Liverpool aren't good enough to carry a Thiago, ignoring the fact that Thiago has been Liverpool's best midfielder from a defensive point of view for 18 months now. So, you know. Uh, Jude Bellingham has not been put off by... Liverpool's recent poor results and remains an admirer of both the club and Jurgen Klopp. Phil Neville, manager of Inter Miami, is interested, or says the club are interested in signing both Lionel Messi and Sergio Ramos. Both are out of contract in the summer. Uh, Juan Laporte is increasingly confident Messi can be persuaded to return to the new camp. Josco Gvardiol has been linked with a move to the Premier League, but Marco Rose expects 
the 21 year old to still be at the German club next season, stay another year and then join Liverpool. That'd be ideal. Uh, Manchester United want to strengthen the defence by signing Kim Min-Jae, who has a 42 million release clause. I, I really want him to sign a new deal with Napoli and stay there and be part of something special. Meanwhile, United are keen to offer Alejandro Garnacho a new contract. Surely this should be done by now. Uh, Fabinho could be facing the exit after five years at Liverpool as Jurgen Klopp looks to refresh his squad. He should be one of a number of players heading for the exit. Tottenham are leading the chase to sign James Madison. I have trouble believing that. I reckon he might end up at Newcastle. Romelu Lukaku is not keen to return to Chelsea. That's not a surprise to anybody. Everton could move for Udinese's Portuguese forward Beto in the summer after having a huge bid for the player turned down in January. A huge bid. Now, they did sell Anthony Gordon, so I'm assuming it was that kind of, you know, the money from that. Um, Beto's decent. He is. He's decent. I, I don't know that he's worth a huge bid. But, um, I mean, as an alternative to Calvert-Lewin, I suppose he would make a lot of sense. Uh, if Calvert-Lewin is going to leave, he could make sense as a, as a replacement for sure. Arsenal submitted a €70 million Euro bid to Barcelona for Rafinha in January. No, they didn't. Former West Ham and Everton forward Ener Valencia, Valencia is close to joining Brazilian club Internacional from Fenerbahce with the 33-year-old set to move on a free transfer. And finally, Chelsea are close to reaching a verbal agreement with Independiente de la Valle to sign 15-year-old Ecuadorian midfielder Kendry Paez, uh, who will be unable to join the team until he's 18. He is immensely gifted, immensely gifted, but that's, that's a horrible move for him. Anyway, we'll take a break right now. And when we come back, we will be joined by Mr. Drinkle and we will run through this weekend's games. See you in a sec. Right. Welcome back. So we're joined by Mr. Drinkle. How are you, sir? Football. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Right. Let's launch into this. Let's get this done. We have one game tonight, six games tomorrow. One Premier League game on Sunday and the League Cup final on Sunday. So let's get going. Yeah, so kicking off with tonight's game, we have Fulham against Wolves, which, I mean, a bit earlier in the season, you'd probably say it'd be a massive game for Wolves. It probably still is because they're still in the relegation scrap. But I think this is probably a tougher game for Fulham now than it was, obviously. Um, But Fulham have done their job. They're on 38 points. That's basically safe. Um, they can obviously still get in Europe, whereas Wolves need to just keep ticking along and keep things behind them, basically. So it's a hard one to predict, but logic is Fulham are the favourites. Yeah, Fulham would be favourites. And, uh, you know, Wolves should be a bit more comfortable now than they actually are. That defeat last weekend to Bournemouth is unforgivable at home. You can't be losing games like that. Wolves need the points here. Like you said, Fulham are pretty much safe. And it, it might be the thing that Fulham are getting close to heading for the beach because job Crystal done. Crystal Palace <laughs> DNA. <laughs> yeah, do you know, job done. You're safe. No need to uh, 
no need to worry. Remember, before Roy was England manager, he was Fulham manager. Or was he Fulham manager after England? He was Fulham manager he first. Were, he was Fulham, he was Fulham Liverpool, then, in Fulham, Liverpool, West Brom. West Brom, England. West yeah. Brom, England, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Roy has very much in, in, implanted his DNA at Fulham. Um, and Crystal Palace obviously have that Roy DNA as well. But anyway, regardless... I am going to look at this game and say that Fulham should win, though no Carney, no Cabano, that's fine. Mitrovic is still a doubt, so that's a potentially a big blow. For Wolves, no Kalasic, no Chiquinho, no Huang, and no Bubakar Traore. I, for, Wolves need the win here. Fulham don't. I wonder if there might be a bit of a lack of urgency with Fulham as well, because they've been a bit hit and miss of late. Uh, but they got up for a couple of derby games. Or not not derby games so much, but, you know, like Brighton are kind of in the same zone as them. The Forest game was just a comfortable win. They got a good result against Chelsea is, is the derby I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say this one ends in a draw. I'll go 1-1. Yeah, it does scream a bit of a draw. Um, I almost said the early kickoff there. We're not doing early kickoffs because, well, we've got a... Midnight kickoff for some reason. Um, but anyway, on to the three o'clock click three o'clock kickoffs on Saturday, if I can speak. Uh, is this still the Kazoo Derby? I can't remember. Anyway, Everton against Villa. Um, Villa have gone. To, I was going to swear there have gone too bad <laughs> um, in the last three games because they are conceding goals mentally at a stupidly bad rate. Whereas Everton. <clears throat> are doing Sean Dyche things. Yes. Yes, they are. Sean Dyche against Unai Emery screams of a nil-nil draw. Uh, It's no longer the Kazoo derby because Kazoo dumped Everton. Everton now sponsored by Stake.com. Beautiful. Um, Everton, good win last time out. Two wins from three under Dyche. No Townsend, Calvert-Lewin's a doubt, Patterson's working his way back, Onana should be fine, Garner's working his way back. Villa, like you said, just self-sabotage galore. Um, uh, Diego Carlos a few weeks away, Olsen's nearly back, doesn't really matter, wouldn't start anyway, and Jed Steer is out. Mm. Um, This game is at Everton. Villa's away form's actually been better than their home form. I'll go the draw again. I'll go 1-1. Yeah, do you think Villa have just... They don't seem to find a balance because they're conceding loads, but they're scoring more than usual. I mean, do they just revert back to being boring? Is that what they've yeah, got to I, do? Yeah, I, I think that's what Emery needs to do. Emery made his name by being boring and playing boring football. Yeah. And for some reason, I think because it's a bit of a free hit, because Villa aren't going to go down... And obviously, the, the the disappointment of this season rests firmly on the shoulders of Gerrard. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that Emery is using this more to find out what he has in the squad and seeing what players are capable of. But um, I think if he wants to really build something or build an, a, a new Unai Emery team, I think he has to do it by being more defensive minded. Yeah, and he'll need the preseason, summer transfer, etc. But moving on to probably, yeah, probably the biggest game of the weekend. We have Leeds against Southampton in a big old relegation six-pointer, and uh, new managers playing each other as well. This is the bottom two. Just had to double check that. Um, 
Leeds, Javi Grassi, you obviously mentioned that on, I think it was Wednesday's show. Mm. You, you're not a great fan of that. And Southampton, you just mentioned um, Celes getting the job, who is highly thought of. And has already got a positive result in the bag, whereas Leeds, um, out of the last five, and it probably goes on longer than that, three losses and two draws. Um, it, I don't know. I mean, who? What position would you rather be in? I mean, which... Because I'd say Leeds have the better team, but Southampton... I don't know. I think they might have a better chance to stay up because the gamble of Sellers rather than Agrassia for me. Leeds haven't won a league game since November. They oh beat God. They beat Liverpool and then they beat of Bournemouth. They, did. Yeah. Beat Liverpool. they beat Liverpool at Anfield <laughs> and then they beat Bournemouth uh, 4-3 in what was a fairly mental game and they came from 3-1 down to win that one. Um They've only won four league games all season, and two of them were in their first three games. Leeds are a mess. Now, I do think Leeds have the better team for now. Yeah. But I would rather be in Southampton's position, because I think even if they go down, they're going to end up with a better squad. Leeds, I think, are probably fairly heavily leveraged financially as well, because they've spent a lot of money since coming up. I can't see many of the, especially the newer lads, wanting to stay in the championship. No, like Tyler, Marco Rocco from, I can't remember where he was before Bayern, Bayern. Bayern Munich to to Leeds to the championship. He ain't going to do that. Tyler Adams will have top level. Um, yeah, Weston McKenzie's not him. staying if they if they go down, yeah. and Brandon Aronson will have offers and. Like Jack the Harrison's linked with loads of teams. That's it, and he's not going to yeah. stay. I know they gave him a new contract, but he's likely leaving if they get relegated. The problem is for Leeds, they continue to play substandard players. They've got better players in the squad than some of the players they're playing, but managers like safety blankets and they keep going back to these players that are deemed leaders, even though all they've done is lead teams into trouble. Um, This is a huge game for both teams. This is massive. Both teams need the win here. And the problem is both of them can't win. And if it ends in a draw, it doesn't could help either. It, could, it doesn't help either because the teams above them could all pick up points and open more of a gap. Mm-hmm. Given Leeds are at home and it's a new manager, I wonder might we see a little bit of a new manager bounce? Do you think Southampton's was last week in that regard? See, possibly. That's the thing. Possibly they might have got theirs against Chelsea, whereas. It might carry on. Often often you'll get four, five, six weeks of it where mm. players are just really up for things. And and the players seemed like last week I was watching, I watched that game and like there was so much effort from those Southampton players. Lads the flinging themselves was, yeah, it was... in front of shots and, and celebrating these blocks as if they were goals. It was, it was brilliant to see. Um, I'm going to go for a Leeds win, though, because they're at home. I feel like there's goals in their team. And if Gracia can just get the right mix and get a bit of a new manager bounce, I feel like there's a win to be had here for them. Because Southampton, let's be fair, are not good, have not been good this season. But they do have two wins in their last five, which Leeds can't point to. Leeds are due a win. We'll go Leeds to win 2-1. I think it'll be. A, I think it's actually going to be a good game. 
Yeah. There'll be a lot of bad defending, though, because not only are they well, bad they defensive teams, um, 79 goals conceded between them this season is a disgrace. Yeah. Uh, the only team who's conceded more than these is Bournemouth, who got tonked 9-0 at Anfield. Um, I think there'll be a lot of nerves in this game as well, and the atmosphere might be a bit edgy, but I, I'll, I'll go 2-1 to Leeds. Yeah, especially the atmosphere at Ellen Road will be spicy. Uh, next up, we have Leicester against Arsenal, which used to be a, cha- a top four race game, but Leicester and Arsenal obviously gone very different ways. But Leicester, before the United game, obviously turned a corner. Even in that United game, they should have pr- at least been 2-0 mm. up, in my opinion, maybe even 3-0 up. Um, whereas Arsenal last weekend was obviously huge for them in terms of their result and City's result. I, it feels like there'll be loads of goals in this, but Leicester, it seemed to just, whether they're clinical or not, it just really flip of a coin with the strike of the plane. Because Ine Nacho, very inconsistent. When he's good, he's really good. But when he's off it, he can't hit a bar. dreadful. Yeah. That's the thing. He, he goes from being like one of the better... Oh, I'd take a look at him. I'd take a look at him for a little Oh, no, he's crap. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like you, you watch him some games, you're like, how is he still at Leicester? Why did City let this guy go? And then you watch him the next week and you're like, oh, that's why. So I should have said Leicester actually have a worse defensive record than both uh, Leeds and Southampton as well, which is shameful. Um, Leicester are getting fitter, which is a big plus. No Justin, no Bertrand. But they're hopeful Johnny Evans could be back. Now, they've been hoping he could be back for months and months and months. Uh, James Madison should be fine to play, though. Arsenal, no Gabriel Jesus. Thomas Partey is a doubt. And Elneny's out for the season. Partey's a huge blow here. <clears throat> this is the kind of game that represents a potential potential banana skin for Arsenal. They should win this game. They are the better team. But Leicester have found a little bit of form. And they're playing with a little bit more confidence. I don't fancy Leicester to win the game, but I do think they could potentially get a draw because they do have the firepower to cause Arsenal trouble. Like you said, it's just very much dependent on which version of Iheanacho turns up. I'm going to go 2-2. I actually think this is going to be a really exciting game. Now, this will either end in a draw or Arsenal will stonk them. But Arsenal haven't looked capable of stonking anyone recently. And if not for Aston Villa capitulating last week, it would have been three defeats in four. So I'm going to go for the draw here. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun game either way. Um, but yeah, it could be a bit of every, anything. That um, Next up, a huge game for West Ham, who are the third in the relegation zone at the minute against Nottingham Forest, who got a, a very good point against City last weekend. Um you just don't know where West Ham, do you? That's the main thing. West Ham are, as a team, what Iheanacho is as a player. There's plenty of talent there. Some games you watch them and you wonder how this is happening, and then other games you watch them and you fully understand it. Um, no Cornet, no Zuma, no Paqueta. Those are, those are big losses for them. They've missed Cornet a lot this season because I think he would have been a really good option yeah. Opposite Bowen on the on the other wing. The, it, poor Forest just have so many injuries right now. Like it, it's really concerning. No Bolly, no McKenna, 
Neither of them are going to be back anytime soon. Aurier's out for about a month. Awani is still out. Niakata is getting closer, but still a few weeks away. Henderson's a few weeks away. Lingard, they hope, will be back. Yates should be back. Uh, Biancone is out for the season. Richards, God knows. God knows what's going on with him. Because at the end of January, they said he was out, you know, working on the grass, kicking the ball around, doing really strong drills. Shouldn't be far away. And he's still out. No sign of a recovery. And Czech Koyate is going to be out for another couple of months. So they're really at the bare bones. 11 players injured at the moment. Uh, so in the summer, rather than buying a whole new squad, they need to maybe buy a whole new medical staff. Um, this is a huge game for West Ham. There's been reports that Moyes will go if this if they lose this game. A draw doesn't do much for them. It would probably lift them out of the bottom three, but it's still going to keep them right in that mess. And in fact, if Leeds win, it won't lift them out of the bottom three. Um. I'm going to back West Ham to win because I think they should win this game. But I wouldn't be at all surprised by the draw. I'll go 1-0 to West Ham, but a draw wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it's just weird with Forrest because you have no idea how they'll set up. Um, but onto the team Forrest got a point against last week. Um, they are at City that are away at Bournemouth. Now, we said this last week, Dave. City away struggles are becoming well more and more documented as the season goes on. Obviously, drawing at Leipzig is not really a great result. They'll get away with it, obviously, because they'll take them home at the Etihad and probably beat Leipzig. But their away form must be a real worry. And mm. Bournemouth are improving with their new signings settling in, seemingly. I mean, it's not, obviously, a full 180 in form, but three, uh, two draws and a win in the last five. It's still it's good, and it's keeping the head above water for now. Um. I'm, you'd still back City, obviously, logically, but if if they get if they drop more points, it's a big question again. It is a big question again. It is a big question again. They can't afford to drop points this weekend. Like I, I, I as I said, I think Arsenal could drop points against Leicester, but that's just me taking a guess. The the logic would say Arsenal win, which would open up a five point gap before City play. So City need to win. They need to go there and they need to put on a performance. Going into this game, City will be without John Stones. There's doubts over De Bruyne and Laporte, but they're ill. They should be okay. Um, Bournemouth has a lot of injuries. Brooks, obviously, still working his way back. If he plays once this season, that's a win. Lewis Cook is out. Lloyd Kelly is out. Zabarni is out. Tavernier is a major doubt. Lerma is a major doubt. Um, Zamora's a doubt and Stanislas look like he's out so there's a lot of players missing there I'm just going to go with what seems like the logical outcome here, I'm going to go for a City win, I'll say 3-1 but City need to improve drastically and Guardiola needs to take his head from where it is currently lodged which is right up his own backside and start to put a team on the pitch that can win games not a pitch that suits his own ego. Not a team that suits his own ego. I'll go City 
Yeah, City is a weird place at the minute. Um, but yeah, once well, it would be a shock, but at the same time, it probably wouldn't. Uh, that is the half five kickoff for the listeners. So that one is on telly. Uh, so is this one, and that is Palace against Liverpool, Dave. Just do you want to just give the result and move on? Do you think you've Joys. done this one to death? Joys. <laughs> uh, for Palace, no Johnston, no Zaha, no Tompkins, no Ferguson. Mitchell's back. Ward is a doubt. For Liverpool. No Ramsey, no Alcantara, no Diaz, no Canate, uh, no Artur, and potentially no Joe Gomez, though after his performance against Real Madrid, that's probably a good thing. It's a real shame, that one. <laughs> I picked Palace to win on the scouted pod. I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say 2-1 to Palace and move on. Yep, Liverpool's form, very bad, even against 10 men. Not great performance. Moving on to the Sunday, the first half of um, Super Sunday, we have Spurs against Chelsea. I somehow didn't know this game was on. Um, This game is usually mental, but Spurs are very boring and Chelsea can't do football. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a very strange game. Five all. (laughs) If Chelsea score five goals, that would be... That would be something to dedicate the entire podcast to because they don't look like they can score more than one at the moment. No Brogia, no Cesar Azpilicueta, no Pulisic, no Kante and no Mendy. Chelsea are obviously in fairly rotten form at the moment. Uh, One win in the last five, no wins in the last four. Beaten at home last week by Southampton. Tottenham have, despite the the fact that Tottenham have been dreadful, they do have three wins in their last four. Now they got they got pumped by Leicester, but they beat Fulham away, which was a good result. They beat City at home, which was a very good result, and obviously they beat West Ham as well. Um, for just Spurs, got to limit Eric Dyer's Eric Dyer's. Yeah, li- literally just limit his involvement in the game, and you should be okay. No Bentoncourt, no Cessignon, no Larice. And no Basuma. Um, none of them back till April. Bentoncourt done for the season. The other three due back, they reckon, in April. Um, this is going to be a strange game. I will say Spurs win 2-1 because I think Conte... Although Conte missed the two games they won and was back for the game that they lost. So maybe he's a bit of a jinx at the moment. Exactly, just stay at home. He could, use, stay. That as, he could use that as an excuse to just stay in Italy and just absolutely vibe. It's yeah, he could just manage the team from Italy, yeah. live his life, he'd be happy out. Spurs will be happy, they'll keep winning. I'm going to say Spurs win 2-1. That's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to say Spurs win 2-1. Yeah, I think the difference is just the firepower up front. Obviously, Son's been... Stank stinky this season, but mm. at least he scored the other day, didn't he? Whereas Kane's been really good, um, and Kulusevski's been really good as well. So I think that's the difference between the whereas, two teams. Yeah, whereas none none of the Spurs or the Chelsea attackers have shown much of anything. It really is Joe Felix. Please do something or nothing, isn't it? At the minute, and it's not really been no, it's not really been anything. That's it. Yeah, but we'll move on to the cup final. Um, I have no idea which one is technically the home team, but who gives a toss? Uh, Newcastle against United. Um, it's a it's a weird one because United have been in such good form recently. Obviously, the big results over Barca as well to, mm. to add into. Whereas Newcastle seem to have 
gone back, not not back to normality, but almost brought back to earth a smidge with the lack of goals and regardless of the ten men, they should have beaten Liverpool last uh, last week and didn't. Um, but I know they're now owned by Saudi Arabia and stuff like that, but I still want Newcastle to win. Maybe it's more just that I don't like United, obviously. But, oh, yeah. It's it's yeah. a bit of both. Like, I'd like Newcastle to win because their fans have been waiting since the 50s for them to win a real trophy. And I never want to see United win anything. That's just, that's largely because of my respect for United and what they've done over the years, but also because they're our biggest rival. Um, United, no Donny van de Beek, no Christian Eriksen. Martial's a doubt. Rashford's a doubt as well, which is potentially huge because he's been so good. Like, since the World Cup, he's been the best player in the league. Um, mm. Obviously, Mason Greenwood, unlikely to ever play for the club again. For Newcastle, no Emil Kraft, but Jolington should be fine. Joe Willock should be fine. And Bruno Gamerich is back from suspension. So that's a huge, huge plus. Nick Pope is out, though. And that's a big blow. And it's going to be Laurie's Carrius starting in goal. And it just depends on which Carrius you get. But the guy's barely played football in the last, what, 18 months or so? If he has a massive game, he should just retire full time. He should. Full yeah, literally, just, just leave his gloves and his boots <laughs> yeah. on the penalty spot and walk off. To become a model. Yeah, exactly. Like, like he's got he's got another career after this, no matter what. Um United are in better form. Newcastle are struggling for goals. But maybe Newcastle are due a few goals. And I quite fancy Almiron and Wilson just with their craft against that United backline. United are more dangerous, though. And Casemiro makes a huge difference. But Bruno Gamerich, I think, makes more of a difference to Newcastle than any single player does to any single club in the league. I'm going to go for a Newcastle 2-1 win with Bruno Gamerich getting the winner. I think they'll end up getting absolutely battered for the last 20 minutes as United throw everything at them. But I think Newcastle can hold on. I'm going to go Newcastle 2-1. Loris Carrius winning it on penalties. That would be great. Wouldn't it be great? What a redemption. What a redemption. Saving Saving from Rashford or something. That would be it. Would be look. It's 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 a big part him as well because I've always liked Glorious Carrius, and he was horrendously treated by Liverpool fans because of what happened in Kiev when he got a concussion because Sergio Ramos threw an elbow into his head earlier in the game. He made two massive errors because he was seeing double. Now he should have put his hand up and gone off, but who among us would? volunteer to go off in a Champions League final. Nobody would. But I want to see Laurie's Carrius do well. So I'm going to go for Newcastle 2-1, Gamerish with the winner, and Carrius man of the match. And that is the last game of football because that isn't real life. <laughs> That's the last game of football. After that, we can all retire. The, yeah. If that happens, the two-footed podcast will not be taking place next week. Um... Because what, what, why would we? we? We'd have covered the greatest event in the history of the world. But that's it. That will do us for today. That will do us for the week. We will talk to you on Monday. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.